Hello, beauties, my kings, queens, and in-betweens. You are tuning into Divine Queries with the Mystical Minister. I am a queer spiritual healer, minister, coach, advocate, and teacher, and I identify with the pronouns of she and her, and I respect how you choose to identify. I am the spiritual magic of a queer POC author, and I'm here to support you in igniting your freedom and being able to be who you are, wherever you are. So let's dig right into today's episode. Let's go. Hello, beauties, and welcome to today's episode. I am with the wonderful Erin Watt, and today we're going to talk about healthy relationships and healthy boundaries and the the um, the professional perspective that she brings on all of that because she this is what she does for her living. She is a relationship coach or a pivot coach, and also she does many many other things within that realm. And so, without further ado. Erin, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Yes, you're very welcome. And I'm glad that you're here and it all worked out for you to be here right now and kind of clean up what I just said. So, because <laughs> I know <laughs> that I didn't say it. Like, and it's true honor. So, please, like, tell us about you. Well, thank you for that. First of all, what you said was like, pretty accurate and I always love to hear what people say um because then I know if I'm presenting myself accurately most of the time um (laughs) so yes I am a relationship coach I work with a company called Pivot uh we're a relational alignment group and um the term that we use for our coaches and even the therapists that work through our process is called we call them pivot advocates so um I'm a pivot advocate and I help people shift into better relationships because who wouldn't want to have overall better relational health? And um, I do that through this platform called the Pivot Process and uh, that was created by a woman named Lori Jean Glass and I was also kind of on the front end of helping her create that curriculum and put it out into the world from one of the original founders of the company, Pivot. Um, I'm currently also the COO of Pivot. Um, I also lead the training academy. I mean, there's probably a few things I'm missing there. Um, <laughs> she's also building and, out the next school that they're going to have. And she's also creating a raft for everybody to get to Pivot. Like, is there anything <laughs> else that you're doing? <laughs> I mean, in this moment, I think that might be it. Um, well, my self-care and all that stuff. Yes. You know, but, um, and also just being like a good friend and human and family member. <laughs> Which takes up some time, but, uh, you know, and I'm sure at some point we may or may not talk about it, but I didn't have, this isn't where I started. I started in a completely different field and this has been my passion for about five years now. So, um, you know, I'm just excited to be in this, uh, process and talking to you about it today. Yes. And again, so happy that you're here because this is so important in the perspective that you guys bring. I follow you on Instagram. We've been friends for a really long time. I follow Pivot on Instagram and I love the the information and what you guys bring and what you're doing in the world. And I know we talk about it all the time. I'm like, 
years ago, we talked about me going through y'all's curriculum and like all of these different things. We brought Lori Jean has come in and worked in a realm with me. You've come in and worked in a realm with me. And when I worked at a certain place, you guys would come in and bring your professional aspect and work with some of the clients. And then you and I have been friends for how long, Erin? Um, a while, probably, I would say about 10 years, probably about 10 years, maybe a little longer, but definitely about 10 years. Okay. Okay. I love that we have like, at least like definitely this time because of this, (laughs) like we have an anchor. (laughs) So yes, 10 years and it's been beautiful. It's been a beautiful, like ebb and flow of a relationship and I love like anytime I'm home I can come find you except now because but you may be there the yes, next time I'm know, there. I go to Nashville. I'm about to spend two and a half weeks there. So we will cross paths in Nashville. <laughs> but you just made a huge move which we talked about and I know you talked about and you spent much time like processing if it was the right move and not so much the right move because you've always wanted to be in California it's always been pulling you but you just made that move so what has that been like for you you know it's been really interesting I um Nashville will always have a huge place in my heart um I've built up a community there of support I've built a professional network there Um, And taking that leap of faith to move to the Bay Area, which is a challenging place to move, um, especially in a startup, which is essentially what Pivot is. And, um, you know, but I knew that I had to really take that jump to take all of this to the next level and really know um, where this company could go. And I don't regret it at all. Um, And I'm learning every day more about myself. Mm. Okay. That is the truth. That's a healthy <laughs> adult response. <laughs> That's all I tell is the truth, you know? <laughs> yes. And that is why we are friends. So getting into pivot and getting into just relational um, evolution, the different, like, I don't even know if you guys call them attachment theories and stuff like that. So I'm not going to mix in different um, perspectives, but you kind of tell me the basis of like, if you guys have pillars, what the pillars are that you approach in your program with people. And then we'll go from there. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, So from the top down, what I can say is that as an organization, we believe that everybody has the right to help themselves show up better in their life and in their relationships. And um, part of the foundation of what the philosophy behind Pivot is that often when people want to do that, when they want to shift into something healthier, something better, it's expensive, it's complicated, it's not accessible to um, all demographics. Um, it's either expensive or the language is complicated. Um, and you often have to access it through somebody who's got quite a lot of education. And while all of that is, you know, true and important, and it is of course important when we're talking about people's mental health, that people be highly trained and highly educated, there's also room for, this space that I think Pivot has created, which is that everybody can get better and learn how to be better and learn how to manage and tolerate their feelings and show up in a better way before they have to go spend thousands of dollars at a psychiatric hospital or with a doctor, before they have to spend, 
you know, years in therapy, spending a lot of money to, to dig deep. All of those things are often appropriate at different times for different people. And I'm not knocking those things at all, but there seems to be this lack of, um, accessible, meaningful, helpful, um, process for true behavior change in your life in the here and now. And so that's kind of the top down of what pivot does is it helps people become their highest self and be their own change agent in their life. Um, is this making sense? Yes. And I just keep hearing, like, the, just keep hearing bridge, 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 bridge. Like, you guys are a bridge for relational freedom. You're a bridge for people to access and to shift their behaviors. You're a bridge of freedom. Like, that's, I just keep hearing bridge and everything that you're saying, which is beautiful. And I'm so glad that you guys are here because it is needed because there usually is, like, a demographic cutoff of access. So I love that you spoke into that, too. Yeah, and that doesn't mean we don't cost money, but you yeah, know, you can't be free. we are a business. <laughs> However, um, you know, a lot of our process has been written and spoke. You know, you can for seventeen dollars, you can buy Lori Jean's book and get the synopsis of what we do. For you know, a little more money a week, you can hire someone who can walk you through it. And for a lot more money, you can quickly spend five days in an intensive setting, um, deeply diving into the process. So. We, we really try to make this accessible to people, no matter who you are, where you come from, what your financial or personal, you know, story is. We want, we want people, people to be able to get the help that they need. And we also believe in referring out. If people need a higher level of care, they, then we, we send them there. So we don't hang on to clients forever. Once somebody has gotten what we do, they can go and live their life and they can call us when they need some, some support or a tune up. So it really is that simple. Um, and yeah, where should I go? From there? Yeah, that's great. So I'm, I'm getting like the, the avoidance and all of that. So talk about those different, the techniques that we have in relationships when it comes to like confrontation or ways of being, I don't know what you guys call them. So can you speak into those things? Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Okay. So we, what you're asking, I'm assuming, is you want to hear about how we speak to attachment theory and yes. attachment style. Yes. Um, and, you know, the first thing I'll say about that is I, I'm going to definitely go into that with you. And we truly believe that typically when we work with clients, we don't start there. And I'll explain why as I, as I describe it to you. But I just want to say that from the get-go. Uh, there's a reason we don't start with teaching people directly about their attachment styles and um but to just zoom out for a second um you know psychology has a concept called attachment theory and that is the backbone of what we teach however we have simplified simplified it into layman's terms and there are four main ways that people can show up and connect with other people and when i say connect with other people that's where the word attachment comes from be it the the act of attaching to someone is the act of connecting with someone, even if it's not successful, right? It's, it's how they're attempting to connect. And, um, there are four main styles. They're secure, uh, which is, you know, what we're all going for and what people pay me to help them become. Um, there's anxious, which psychology has called anxious preoccupied, I believe. Um, there's avoidant, which typically has been called, uh, dismissive avoidant. And then there's ambivalent, which I 
think I could be wrong. You can edit this out later. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, The ambivalent, I believe, psychology calls um, anxious avoidant. So Mm. it's it's a combination of anxious and avoidant. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So the, the way that Pivot speaks to it is that, and I also want to, I'm going to do these little disclaimers. When we say anxious, and I'll go into this in more detail, we don't mean, do you feel anxious? What we mean is, how are you connecting with people? Are you connecting anxiously? What is your energy doing? What are your actions doing? And so um, anxious attachment is when somebody is, um, you know, calling somebody repeatedly, when they're checking maybe their phone a bunch, when they're, um, you know, investigating information and not waiting for the answers. Um, Anxious people to them, like 24 hours can feel like a year. Mm. If, if you're, if you're feeling anxious about a situation and you have anxious attachment, it's like everything is on hyperdrive and you have the guts to know, and you want to get in there and you want to fix it and you want to force it right away to know what's happening. Um, okay. So people, because yeah. of where we are in the world with technology, does that not play a little part in this? Because we're, everybody is attached to their phones. So Totally. Everybody is anxiously attached to their, to their technology, hands <laughs> yeah. down. I can say that without, I mean, of course there's exceptions, Yeah. but our phones are literally programmed to create an anxious attachment. Yes. So if you're using technology, you probably at some point are anxiously attached to it. There's just no way around it. That's basic human behavior. Yes. But that's a good way to kind of relate to that. Like if you're in a relationship with someone like you are with your phone, then this one is for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know, to not in the least shaming way possible, if you have been called needy, if you have been called clingy, if you've been called, you know, I don't know, a love addict. I I don't Mm, like that term, but if you've been called any of these things, um, if you're somebody who goes from relationship to relationship to relationship, yes. who doesn't like to be alone, you might have a, an anxious attachment wound. You might, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's anxious in a nutshell. Does that make sense? Perfect. And that last piece really drove it home because I feel like that's important for people to know like what it looks like and without shame, without any of that, but to be able to be like, oh, wait, okay, that's me. That's where I've been operating from. So that's empowering. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, it's not always in romantic relationships. It can be um, a parent with a child. That's one of the most common anxious attachment um, connections I see is, is, you know, rightly so. Parents are anxious about their children and, and how they're doing in the world. They inherently care deeply about, you know, most parents inherently care deeply about what's going on with the well-being of their child. And so often that will foster an anxious attachment if the person hasn't developed a muscle for managing and tolerating the feelings around their child going out into the world. Mm, yes, that makes sense as well. Yeah. So it, I guess what I'm saying is there's no shame in any of these. So anybody listening or thinking, wow, that's me, like, please do not hear this as shaming because we all do all of these things all the time. This is not about like, you're a bad person and you're anxious. Like this is just understanding who you are and where you come from so that you can learn how to manage and tolerate it and show up securely anyway. 
Yes. And so let's talk about the other ones so we can more so know ourselves. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Okay. So more (laughs) self-diagnosis. Okay. Um, So the other one that most people have heard of is avoidant. And avoidant is also pretty straightforward. If you're avoidant, um, you tend to shut down internally when something is uncomfortable. So what that ends up looking like behaviorally is you might ignore something. You might literally just completely avoid an area, a person, a topic, a thing to the point where it's often not conscious. Like you just kind of like disconnect. Um, It can also look like conflict avoidance, um, the inability to have your voice amidst conflict. Um, It can look like not asking for what you want and need. It can look like, Uh, just being a lone wolf, being isolated. Um, Oftentimes, people with addictions are showing up very avoidantly because they're anxious with their addiction. So let's say an alcoholic. An alcoholic is anxious with alcohol. Therefore, they are avoidant with people, especially people that might challenge their anxious relationship with alcohol, for example. Um, Is this making sense? That does make sense. And you said something in there with you know, like confrontation and maybe like when you're in confrontation, you don't like you're unable to speak. And that made me think of, I was speaking with a friend and she was like, I would be in conflict with him. And before it's like, I can talk, I can talk, I can talk. But when we're in this certain energy, I just literally can't find the words. Like they don't come out. So is that kind of what you're talking about as well? Yeah. And the piece that I haven't spoken to and hopefully I'll get there is what probably happened to that person is at a very young age, one of her primary caregivers had very big anxious energy with her and she wasn't allowed to have her voice, whether it be literally wasn't allowed to have her voice or just energetically not allowed to have her voice. So she learned to be silent in that moment. And so the avoidant wound in a, in a present day person usually comes from a caregiver who is anxiously attaching to them, whether it be helicopter control, enmeshment, you know, poor boundaries, whatever it is, if you had a, one of the primary caregivers did that to you, you are going to have an avoidant wound. And it can still be going on today. Like that same relationship cycle. Yeah. Totally. Well, that's what we do is we want to fix and recreate scenarios so that we can have a corrective experience. And so um, that's why people say all the time, well, I'm dating my mother, I'm dating mm-hmm. my father, my boss is just like my, fa- my yes. family member. It's like we recreate scenarios in all of our relationships because it's like energetically we want to have a do-over. We want to do it differently. We want to write the ship. But when it's unconscious and we don't have awareness, which is what Pivot tries to give people is simple awareness and simple tools, we can't have a corrective experience. We end up repeating the pattern. Yes. And the power in that, in the work that you guys do is with that awareness, once it's like, oh, wait, I've been here before. I am not dreaming. This is a replay of something before. What is my lesson here? What do I get to shift? What do I get to change? And then that pattern discontinues because I make, I take corrective actions. Like I've experienced that in my life. And after that, that whole awareness and then shifting, I no longer repeated that very, very debilitating and exhausting pattern that I had. So that is the power. Totally. And, and the reality is, as I teach this stuff and like on a regular basis, I'm like, Oh, here we go again. 
there's my pattern. And, you know, the goal for me is not to eliminate that. And I'll explain more later, but the goal is for me to get healthier in every interaction and, and create corrective experiences rather than re-traumatizing myself. Okay. So go to the next one. Cause you got a lot of explaining later to do. And also just to back up and clarify, if you identified with the anxious, I just want to share since I said the thing about the caregiver with the avoidant, you probably had a primary caregiver who was avoidant with you who connected avoidantly. So you had an absent parent, a workaholic parent, um, maybe a parent died or got sick or left, mm. like there was a divorce at a young age or even later in life. And, and anytime you have that wound, that imprint of someone leaving you, it creates anxiety and that's how that person tries to connect. So, and that's a good segue into the ambivalent because the ambivalent typically had a split growing up. So they maybe had one parent that was anxiously um, connecting or attaching to them and another parent who was avoidantly connecting and attaching to them, or they had parents that were flipping between the two. Therefore it created a split in them. Um, and sometimes it's not that clean cut. Often ambivalent attachment can come out of um, like a divorce at a really young age and having two different households can create that. But it's, it's when you're very, when you're in those formative years, because by the time you're five years old, you've basically created the blueprint. You've imprinted it into you how you're going to be relationally for the rest of your life. Doesn't mean you can't change it, mm-hmm. but that imprint will always be there. So like if a divorce happens before someone is five years old or a parent as an addict at that age or somebody dies or leaves or you have a parent who's super controlling or anxious or codependent in those first five years, when you have a combo of those in the same person, it creates an ambivalent attachment style most often. So um, what that looks like is sometimes it can be come here, go away. It can be indecision, um, being a chameleon, being a question mark in the world. Um, sometimes people that have ambivalence look noncommittal or avoidant, but if you actually tune in, they're not avoiding. They're just thinking and feeling and thinking and feeling and thinking and feeling. And they're actually just so absorbed in the indecision that they present avoidantly, but they're really ambivalent. So a lot of times people that are ambivalent that are not acting out in anxiousness get labeled avoidant. Is this making sense? So yes, it is making sense, but it's like making it, I'm having so much come up in in me that I want to like ask. It's like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have this question. I have that question. So, okay. So this little kid that's happening because in so many different arenas, it talks about how we literally do have like at five, that's how we're going to start relating. So A, do you find when you have like married married couples or just couples in general that come to you, is it like an avoidant and an anxious or like an avoidant and an ambivalent? Like, do you find this coupling of these? And I would assume that it's like the primary because we do fluctuate and we can go ebb and flow in throughout these attachment theories. And I use air quotes, but like, do you find this coupling of the primary attachment theories happening? Oh, absolutely. I mean, of course there are exceptions. Have I met couples where they're both anxious? Yes. Have I met couples where they're both avoidant? Yes. 
Have I met couples where they're both ambivalent? Of course. That's like, that is the How are they together? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Because I understand. I really, really do. But it's just like, I can only imagine that relationship. I can only oh my imagine. God. That was my, so my first like, quote unquote, adult love relationship was with an ambivalent and I'm ambivalent. Like that was both of our primaries. And I think that relationship not only almost killed both of us, but might've blown up a city. Like it was so volatile. And I'm not saying that to impress anyone. It's just the truth. <laughs> no, I know the relationship you're talking about. Cause we've talked about this before. I'm so glad that you're here to do this work for people because, Oh my God, I'm so glad you made it. <laughs> yeah. Me, me too. Thank goodness. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you do find, so let's talk more about like, when you see those two, how do you approach it? Like for the couples that are listening to this or one of the partners, like how would you, how do you approach it in a very like generalized one-on-one type of way? So kind of, I'm glad I teed this up before. I never start with attachment styles in my coaching practice. And if people come in asking me questions, I will educate them. But what I will say over and over again is, Hey, you know, right now, um, that part of the, the process, that part of the, the teaching I'm going to be doing is going to come later. And there's a very intentional good reason for it. Is it because and you don't want them to attach to their attachment theory? It, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Like, yes. <laughs> and, and then people can't see themselves clearly. So yeah. if I walked around the world saying, well, I'm an ambivalent, I'm an ambivalent, I'm an ambivalent, I'm not going to look where I'm avoiding money. Yes. I'm not going to look where I'm anxiously attaching to my best friend who maybe, you know, isn't calling me back. Yes. Like, I'm not going to see where I'm, you know, it's, I'm going to miss things if I over identify right away without the awareness that pivot will give you first. Yes. So allow this to be a tool of understanding like how we relate with each other, but don't allow it to become a blind spot to where you can't see the totality of it all. Okay. Correct. Because yes. it's like, you know, energy is neither created nor destroyed. Mm -hmm. Like, if you are inherently meant to be secure, which I do believe that our, if we could all be in our highest self all the time, which no one can be, but we would be secure. Yeah. So if you think about it from a basic physics perspective, if, if you're being anxious somewhere, you are being avoidant somewhere else. Mm. Like it, it has to be that way. So it, it's important to never over identify. Now you can name Man, in, in primary romantic relationships, I am typically this. Like, in friendships, I am typically this. You know, that you can do that, but even then you have to be careful. So, um, is that answer whatever question you asked me a few minutes ago? <laughs> it did, because it actually, it's not necessary, because I was like, how would you approach those couples when they come to you, but where this evolved to is even better. So, I like the natural evolution of it. So, that's perfect. Okay. So if somebody comes to us for coaching, the first place we start is we look at who they are and where they come from, from what we call a whole perspective. So it's just a basic, simple, holistic model. It's looking at emotional, physical, spiritual, intellectual, and financial. And we have found that those five areas pretty much encompass everything you need to know about a person. That doesn't mean that by us doing that, we're going to learn everything about that person. In fact, it's really just to be blunt, an assessment tool. Mm -hmm. Like it's really just a way for us to get to know them, them to get a little self-awareness 
And that's where we start. And it's also a concept that is foundational throughout the pivot process. So conceptually, we teach people, you know, how you show up. Do you overemphasize one of these areas? Do you underemphasize one of these areas? Or do you flip? Like, so just because we learn through stories, I'll give you an example from my own life. When I first came into this work, I was somebody who historically spent most of my life um, focusing on the intellectual part of myself. I was, you know, at 28 years old in a doctoral program at a very prestigious institution. Um, and my intellect and my ability to put energy into that area of my life was like the number one thing I identified with at that point. That's what my ego was attached to. That's what my livelihood was attached to. And it was all that I knew. And if that got taken away from me, I was destroyed. And really, if you looked at the other areas, they were all suffering because of my fixation on it. Does that make sense? It does. So by taking a moment to just point that out to someone, that in itself can be revolutionary because they haven't considered, wow, I've been emotionally driven my whole life. Wow, I have been financially driven my whole life, you know, and so it really illuminates that. And not everyone is that clear cut. I'm kind of a a classic example as I share that. Um, But it really helps you just like get under the hood, see what's going on and bookmark. Okay, what path am I going to take this person through the process? Because I know that intellect is somewhere that they have put a lot of energy into. And I'm probably going to have to help that person feel Right. Mm. That's probably going to be a struggle for that person. Make sense? It does make sense. So how long are you working with people? Like, do you guys have like, is it 90 days, six months? What's the route? You know, 90 days to six months is a pretty typical amount of engagement to get through the core curriculum. So I'll kind of go through it. So after we do the whole perspective with them, which is this piece where we educate them, that takes one or two sessions. Sometimes we stay there longer, but not often. And we move them on intentionally because if you let people like sit in that for too long, they're going to start to panic and want to fix everything. And we don't want them to do that quite yet. We just want them to be aware and maybe change a few things. Um, We then move them into a boundaries module. Um, This boundaries module hands down completely changed my life because, you know, the average person has two types of relationships in or out right now. That's not true for everyone. A lot of people have evolved past that, but that is the original template. A lot of people are handed like you either in, you're in my tribe, you're my people or you're out. You're not in my tribe. You're not my people. That's like, Pause one second. It's time for a movement break. (laughs) All right, guys, it's time for squats. So have your feet slightly outside the hips or even wider, just depending on your body type. And you're going to squat down, keeping that chest up and keeping the weight in the heels. Going below parallel if that's comfortable for you and then back up. And we do 10 just like this. 10, 9, 8. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, and one. Yay. I hope you guys enjoyed those squats. Now we're going to jump right back in with Erin. Give it to us, girl. 
All right. So I was talking about our boundaries module and how a lot of people are like in or out. Um, our module breaks it down into five basic types of ways of relating. Sorry, that was a mouthful, but um, <laughs> five different types and, of relating. <laughs> yeah. And in those five types of relating to people, you develop a muscle of how to have internal boundaries that is individualized to those relationships by the category of relating. Um, I'm probably not making sense. Can you help me out here? <laughs> you tell us. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> I guess what I, I'm trying to, I, I would love for people to buy the book and read it. It's like, I don't want to have them have the assumption that by listening to you, they're going to fully embrace it. But the, the breakdown is there's outer, which is somebody that you have no contact with for whatever reason. They're not safe for you. You're not safe for them. You know, that's the most outer category. Then there's acquaintance, which is also pretty self-explanatory. It's somebody you're cordial with. Um, someone you have minimal interaction with either purely by choice, maybe because you don't have time or energy, or maybe because you would put them in outer, but you can't, right? So that's acquaintance. Um, there's semi, which is the hardest for people to understand and conceptualize, but the bottom line of it is it's somebody you have a shared interest with. And it can range from somebody that you love and care about deeply to somebody that you just met, but it's somebody where there's a shared interest but they don't have what's in the next category, which is the good category, which is where you truly deeply trust that person. So again, just to recap before I finish, there's outer acquaintance semi, which is very broad and roomy, but involves shared interest. There's good, which is a select number of people that you deeply trust. And then there's inner, which is even a higher level of trust than you would have with the good, which is an unconditional place. And you know, depending on, you know, your spiritual belief system or who you are and where you come from, you know, some people might only have a spiritual entity in their inner, like it's that sacred. It's like sacred, mm. unconditional. I love that. And some people believe that that is the only, that's mm -hmm. it, is that sacred, unconditional relationship and that sacred, oh. unconditional love, you know? Totally, totally. I personally only have my relationship with my higher power and inner. And that has freed me up so much in the expectations realm, mm. right? So it's like, I no longer expect a human to do that. Therefore, I am free to relate to people perfectly Woo! and securely. Yes, like that. Okay. If you haven't heard anything else, listen to this piece. Because so often, and yeah, like the A Course in Miracles talk about special relationships and um, things of that nature. And so we so often, especially like I do believe that, you know, the, the ultimate and universal truth is love. Like everyone is love. We love all of that. But in this human experience and as humans, we really have to understand to be able to lighten ourselves up and to free ourselves, as Aaron just said, like putting putting people exactly where they go to make the load a little lighter and putting putting like God, higher self, your spiritual team where they belong and then everybody else where they belong, but not getting it mixed up who belongs where. Totally. It's so essential and it it makes life oh so much easier. So much <laughs> easier, you know, because as I've shared a little bit about myself, one of my, you know, I, I was both avoidant and anxious. So I was ambivalent. And what I would do is I wouldn't know how to build intimacy with people that were trustworthy. So 
I would hide in relationships that were maybe actually pretty safe. And I could have gone and been vulnerable. And then I would go and I'm, I'm, a, I'm in long-term recovery from alcoholism. So I would, I would go to a bar and I would tell the bartender my whole freaking life. And, or I would tell the guy I just met and went home with my whole life story. Right. Yes. And, and that's what it looks like when you have attachment wounds, right? You don't, you don't know. I wasn't modeled that. And sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening, I wasn't (laughs) modeled that at a young age. I am modeled that by them today, but I was not modeled that in that first five years. Yes. And like a while ago or before we use this in like modern society and in our conversations with attachment theory and what Aaron is speaking about, we used to call it like, unavailable, like people who are emotionally unavailable or like knowing that there was no commitment or anything there or intimacy. So where does that fall? I'm just like, we, we need to schedule and have another interview because there's so much. I haven't even gotten into the like meat of the curriculum yet, but okay. Go on, go on. Thank you. Cause girl redirects me because I'm about to ask like a thousand more questions from that. So, okay. Okay, let me let me give you the rest of the download and then we'll we'll play with questions. Okay. Um, so after the boundaries module, which has already profoundly changed most clients once they go through that, I do meet the occasional client who's like already kind of living that way, but maybe didn't have language and this gave <laughs> them like relief and permission to live that way. But most people it's pretty life changing. Um the next module after that is a three-part module, and this is where the developmental psychology piece comes in, which is so profound. And um, Pivot has totally taken from what's already out there. We're standing on the shoulders of giants. I want to be really clear about that. Like We did not recreate the wheel, but what we did was simplify how a lot of developmental psychology is taught and made it more comprehensive to reflect how people are actually in relationship today. And so what we've done is we've created a module called survival patterns, which is the first part of three in this overarching relational alignment module. And in the survival patterns module, you break it down to your child self, your adolescent self, your adult self. And then the next module called the healthy adult is that higher self. So in the survival patterns module, we're not looking at the higher self. We're looking at the feelings And the actions that you take because of the feelings that typically put you in some type of survival mode. So they typically get you into trouble. So um, an example might be as a child, um, you know, you felt um, neglected. And so the action that you took as a child was to isolate in your room and hide and sneak Oreos you know, just as an example. And uh, yeah, so I hear all kinds of amazing, interesting, different things from people, right? Because this is personalized. And so you you map out what your childhood was like, and this isn't an inventory. This is like a a top level. What are the five biggest feelings you had at that age? And what did you do most often? And you do child, adolescent, adult. And adult self can be such a broad, category for people that what I say is this is what brought you to us like what feelings are getting in the way today and what actions are maladaptive but sophisticated and more mature than what you did as a child and a teen because that's where a lot of people get stuck they get stuck in the adult because they can rationalize and justify that they're healthier than they used to be is this making sense it is so 
From there, we take them to a piece called Healthy Adult, which is the part two, where we help them name, identify, um, and develop a system to enhance the healthy self that's already inside of them. We believe that everybody already has a healthy adult. So what that might look like for me is like one of the feelings I have in my healthy adult is confidence. Um, what do I do to feel confident? Well, I, I follow my word. I go to the gym. I drink enough water. Like it's, it's just basic. Like how do you keep that part of you strong and alive and well? Um, and then you assign that healthy part of you as responsible for repairing, managing, and tolerating the feelings of your child self, your adolescent self, and your adult self. So we charge the client with being the person in charge of helping repair those parts of themselves. And that doesn't mean it doesn't involve other people, but the steward of that is their higher self, is that healthy adult. That makes sense. It does. It does. And the parallel of it and the work that I do, like the inner work, the inner child work and the spirituality, like really um, bringing people into relationship with their higher self and knowing that their higher self is there and allowing like the processes of the and the integration of the lower energies and denser energies. Like it's a whole it's another level. But there is such a parallel with this. And you just gave me an idea of doing an episode on how to build like how to build a relationship with God and like 101. So thank you. Cause this is, this is perfect. Well, yeah, because that's the cool thing about pivot is we're not claiming to be rocket science. Like we literally are taking what's out there and simplifying it for everyday people. Because yes. what I'm describing in more sophisticated energetic terms is the map of consciousness yes. and how do how do we get to those higher states in the map of consciousness? Well, those higher states are your healthiest self. That's your healthy adult. That's your high, that's exactly what you do. And I know you do it beautifully and you're very talented at it. And, you know, the thing is, you know, Joe from Mississippi might not get it yet. And so pivot is that bridge, like what you've been talking about to get people to that healthy adult without having to be this like super spiritual seeker. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why you guys are doing what you're doing because there, there are, you guys are that freaking bridge before we even had this part of the conversation. Like, yes, leading people to God, leading people to their higher selves. Like, and like, it's almost like a, an okie doke, like, gotcha. You know? (laughs) Yeah. But you know what though? Like the thing is, the beautiful thing is, and I'm a deeply spiritual person. Yes, you are. The beautiful thing is, is that it can be that simple. Yeah. Like it can be as simple as like, oh, I've got to get up and go to the gym. Like if I, if I want to be healthy in my relationships, I have to like make sure I'm drinking enough water. Like I have to put my self care first, which we all know that. And when people do the healthy adult, sometimes people get a little bit upset with me. And they'll be like, it's not this simple. And I'm like, it is that simple. Like, it is that simple, right? And then once we teach them, I'm going to speed up because I know we're running out of time. Once we teach them how to be responsible for themselves through this model, then we teach them the attachment styles. Because then it gives them more information and how to observe and catch the survival patterns that are coming up. Then we teach it to them because they understand that if they're dropped into a childlike state, they might be showing up anxiously. If they're dropped into an adolescent state, they might be showing up differently. Like that's where a lot of avoidance is built. So 
you know, it's different for everybody. A lot of these blanket statements I'm making, please know if you're listening, like you could be the opposite. I know that that's, that's always the case. Like everyone is individual and that's the beauty of what we do is we don't tell you that you have to fit into a box or a template or a label. Mm, beautiful. So how do people find you if they want to work with you and get into the Pivot program and work with the Pivot Advocate? So the easiest way is to just go to lovetopivot.com, L-O-V-E-T-O-P-I-V-O-T.com. You can also follow us on Instagram since you plugged us so beautifully, um, <laughs> at Love to Pivot. Um, and send us a message. Tell us there's, there's actually a place directly on the website where you can fill out a questionnaire. If you know, you want to go ahead and work with an advocate and have a free kind of consultation, you can go ahead and fill out the questionnaire. Um, and you know, we just kind of take it from there. Okay. Beautiful. And so when you're in Nashville, are you going to be doing any workshops or anything? I am. Thank you for asking. Um, you know, I should probably pull up my calendar so I don't screw this up. Um, I am going to be in Nashville and the workshop, I'm doing several, but the one that's for the public, for anybody to come, uh, is Saturday, uh, September 28th from, uh, let's see here, from 1 to 2.30 at uh, the Nashville Recovery Center. And it's going to be on dating. So it's called The Dating Game, yes. and it's all about learning how to be purpose-driven uh, when you're dating. And we use the whole perspective as the framework. We talk about attachment styles. Um, it's going to be a really fun, rich workshop, and you'll leave with a lot of information about yourself to date differently. Okay. Thank you. So, guys, if you're in Nashville, please go find her at that workshop. And then anywhere in the world, because they do work with people remotely, you can be anywhere. Go and reach out to Pivot to get into the program. And you guys do also, I just love you guys. I don't know if you picked up on this. But <laughs> you, up on this. <laughs> you do like a week, the five day that you were talking about, because I know we've been talking about it. I'm going to come do this. And I don't know if it's for professionals only or that track. So kind of speak into that and just a little bit. Yeah, so we have a five-day um, intensive workshop, which is hosted at the Glass House, and it's a deep dive into the pivot process, and you get there, um, oh, sorry, it's I have okay. a dog with me, <laughs> edit that out, um, we we do a deep dive into the pivot process Monday through Friday, um, there is experiential, there's educational groups, there's individual work, you get three one-on-one -on -one sessions with a master level pivot advocate while you're there. Um, it's just an amazing week where you can really get underneath what has been driving you relationally for most of your life. And you don't have to be in crisis to come. You could just want to come and, and get it quickly. You can be in crisis to come, but you do have to be, you know, psychiatrically stable. Um, but we assess for all of that on the front end. Um, and then the other thing that we do is we have a training program for maybe professionals that are listening, where you can come and learn about our process and how to teach it. And that's called the Pivot Academy. Those are typically Friday, Saturday, Sunday, also hosted at the Glass House. Um, and if you're interested in any of this, you can reach out directly through the Pivot website and we will provide any detailed information you might have. Okay, perfect. And I know it is about that time. And guys, those programs, I know she gave the list of like a little bit of money, a little bit more and a lot more. It's not like an insane amount of money. It's still pretty reasonable for you to access. So please go there and discover what may work for you in that realm. And then 
Aaron, my final question, where do you fall on the LGBTQ plus spectrum of things? <laughs> I love this question. So um, I am completely straight myself. Um, and But what I do want to add is because of my life experience, my um, empathic heart, what I do for a living, I am such an ally of all the uh, different gender and sexuality identities out there. So, um, you know, we're all unique humans and we all get to show up how we want and I fully support all of it. Okay, beautiful. So guys, it's a safe space with Erin. So if you're in Nashville, go to her workshop and also at Pivot because I do know that she wouldn't be working there and one of the chief people if it wasn't a safe space as well. So check it out. Erin, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everyone, this is a wrap for this episode. I love you. We love you. Be blessed. Stay in the light. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Guys, I would love to stay connected with you. So find me on Instagram at I am Shauna underscore Williams. And you can also reach out to me, check out my programs, my offerings, where I'll be in the world at www.mysticalminister.com. And I am always here to support you because I truly care and love you. And I want you to be who you are, wherever you are, free from shame and in your spiritual magic. One love, all love, always love.